0: so uh welcome back to the struggles of a christian podcast uh today we're going to be doing uh part five of saul um when uh last we left saul he was meeting with samuel who was not happy uh saul had blatantly disregarded the word of the lord uh god had told saul to utterly wipe out the amalekites for their betrayal of israel uh on the exodus when they were leaving um, egypt uh the amalekites had, um, betrayed and ambushed the the Israelites. So God is saying, go take care of the Amalekites for their past transgressions. Saul did not do exactly what God had told him to do. He kept the best of the livestock. He kept the king alive, the refuse and the the bad stuff he, he got rid of, but the best stuff he kept. So Samuel was distressed for God had told Samuel that Saul was no longer to be king because Saul completely disobeyed. That, and 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 that that grieved Samuel, um, because Samuel loved Israel. He was grieved for Saul, who had disobeyed the voice of the Lord after God had given, ev- had, had, had given Saul everything. Um, now this is not Saul's first transaction. Uh, remember the time before he, uh, the time before, when he went and did the sacrifice. Actually performed the ritual of the sacrifice that only the high priest could do because Samuel was late getting to where he was supposed to be. So let's go to 1 Samuel 15 13 and that's where we're going to pick up today. And Samuel came to Saul and Saul said unto him, blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandments, the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, what meaneth than this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowering of the oxygen oxen, which I hear, oxygen, sorry about that. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. A little subterfuge there on Saul's, fault, on Saul's part. Then Samuel said unto Saul, stay and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, say on. So Saul claims to have done all that the Lord has asked of him. Yet Samuel, hearkening to the voice of the Lord, God said he didn't, he didn't listen. Samuel knows better. He was not fooled for a single second. He knows who Saul is. He knows his character by now. He knows that Saul is not, Saul's all worried about appearances, not substance, okay? So he asked Saul, what means the bleeding of the sheep? He hears these animals. He hears this. He knows that Saul took men of war to battle. They didn't take animals to battle. They don't. I mean, that would just be a a hindrance. So slow down. You got to leave people to watch the animals. They didn't do that. So Saul or Samuel hears the bleeding of the sheep. He knows something's wrong. There should be no sheep amongst these men. So if all the animals were destroyed, like God said, God said, everybody, man, woman, child, beast, everything, everything of the Amalekites, wiping them off the face of the earth is to be done, and Saul didn't do it. If he had done everything that God had asked, there would be no animals. So Saul, now caught in disobedience, offers an excuse that they were going to offer the animals the best of the livestock as a sacrifice. Saul should have known that the best sacrifice would have been obedience. That's what God wants more than anything else is for you to obey, for you to live as he has asked you to, for you to do what he has asked you to do. Saul so is just, he's, he's subterfuge. So just a few verses before this, we were told that they only destroyed the vile and refuse things. All right. So they only destroyed the things that were of no value. That's not what God said. Saul was lying. He was trying to deceive. He was trying to keep the best of the animals and all that for the people. So Samuel says, Saul, stay here with me, and I will tell you what the Lord has to say now after all you just did and did not do. Because God wants a reckoning. Now, you're thinking, well, Saul, you know, he had no idea. He had every idea. He had been told several times by God to do things, and he hasn't done it. Saul, uh, Samuel had already told Saul that he is no longer to be king, that they are going to replace him. God does not, God was going to have him be in place, but Samuel or Saul failed that test. So his line will not be the ultimate line of the Messiah. Saul had already been told all this. He knew that he was going to have to pay for this, that things were happening. So why didn't he do what God told him to do since he already knew he was on a very thin rope, very thin leash, whatever you want to call it. So Samuel is about to tell Saul what God said. And I'm thinking Saul knows a little bit of it because he's already been told some of it. So 1 Samuel 15, 17 And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. (laughs) Here comes, here, here really comes, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people (laughs) took of the spoil sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Once again, once again, Saul talking to Samuel, the very last five verses I read, the Lord thy God in Gilgal. This is twice now that Saul has said the Lord thy God, not his, thy God Samuel. So it's interesting, this entire exchange between Saul and Samuel. Saul or Samuel reminds Saul how God made him something when he considered Saul considered himself as nothing. When 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 Samuel went to him and said, "You're going to be king," he says, "I'm the smallest tribe, the smallest family. Or, excuse me, the the the, the weakest family." Saul, Saul was very humble. Said, "I'm I'm of no importance. Why are you getting me? My family's of no importance. Why are you doing this?" So Samuel reminds Saul how God made him something when he considered himself as nothing. Then he reminds him of what God sent him to do to the Amalekites, as if he needed reminding, for he's still dealing with that situation. He's got everything, uh, it's still very fresh in his his mind, his bones from where he was swinging the, 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 the swords and all that. So then he gets down to the crux of the situation. Samuel says, why did you not do what God asked of you? Why did you disobey? Why did you seek to keep the spoil against God's directives? Now, Saul, <laughs> ever the stand-up guy, what does he say? He says, I, me, 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 did all that God asked me to do. But the people didn't listen to God. The people are the ones who kept the spoils. Now, that's quite interesting because if you've ever had a, a leader throw you under the bus... They lost all respect in front of the people at that point. All. You cannot throw your people under the bus. If you are a leader, a good leader, a good leader, let me, let me let me change that there. If you are the type of leader that people will follow, when things mess up, blame goes on you. When things go well, the credit goes to them. A good leader takes the blame, never the credit, period. That's the way it works. Saul, as king of the people, as the God-appointed leader, ruler, decision-maker, he just gave himself up as an inadequate leader. He blames the people, the same as he did last time when he uh, performed the sacrifice. He blames the people, uh, and he throws his people under the bus, and there is never an excuse for that. Ever, If you are the leader and your people do something, it's your fault. I don't care if it's your fault or not. It is your fault. If you're not strong enough to keep them in line, your fault. So in First Samuel 15, 20, or uh, yeah, First Samuel 15, 22, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of the rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let's read that part again. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. You paying attention here? Rebellion is the same as witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Oh, those are some harsh words from Samuel. Now we get to the reason Samuel's there. He is already told that he is no longer to be king, that he is not fit to be king. But now he's being told that his replacement is being... Samuel tells him burnt offerings and sacrifices mean nothing when compared to disobedience. Why? Because the disobedience is as open rebellion against God as idolatry and as witchcraft. You Never really thought about that before. Rebellion and stubbornness is as bad as witchcraft and idolatry. Saul didn't just disobey. In the words of Samuel... He rejected the word of the Lord. He has now been rejected from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, and this is where we really get into the character of Saul, okay? And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. All right. So here it is. Saul has no more excuses. He's finally starting to understand it. Okay. He asked Samuel to forgive him that he has sinned, not just against God, but against him, Samuel. Um. Or, you know, as we like to say, he 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 uh, he's apologizing uh, because he got caught. Which again, I'm not there, so I don't know. I just uh, knowing Saul's character, I'm thinking he he got caught, so he's starting to apologize. Yet he still maintains that he feared the people and their voice, so he disobeyed God Almighty because the people scared him. That means he shouldn't be a leader if he's not. Yeah, no. No, that's not, no. If you've ever been in management of any type, you can't fear the mob. You can't. You have to control the mob, okay? So he asked Samuel to let him, Saul, worship as Samuel as a high priest. Yet Samuel says, no way. Samuel says, I will not let you worship. You have rejected God. God's rejected you. We're done. So as, as 1527, and as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid a hold, Saul, laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. Saul grabbed Samuel with some force and his, his, uh, his clothing rent, torn in half, tore. And Samuel said unto him, Samuel said to Saul, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. You catching this? Samuel's a little upset. He's now pronouncing judgment fully upon Saul. He's not going, oh my goodness, you're upset. No, he's saying you have messed up and God has taken the kingdom from you and the strength of Israel this is this is talking about God in 15:29 and also the strength of Israel God is the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent for he is not a man that he should repent God's not repenting he told the people what kind of king they were going to get that's the king they got now that king is not good okay and God is not repenting from making Saul king He's not repenting from taking the kingdom away from Saul. He is not man that he should repent. He is God. He knew what was going to happen before he did. it. Then Saul says, Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Twice now the lord thy god twice one passage he calls god samuel's god not his very indicative of saul so samuel turned again after saul and saul worshiped the lord samuel says saul i will not turn in with you saul who is so afraid of the people So scared to cause them an ounce of discomfort, he lays his hands on Samuel. He lays his hands on the prophet. He lays his hand on the high priest. He lays his hand on someone he called a friend right up until this part. This was a wrong move. Saul tears Samuel's garment, and Samuel uses that as an object lesson to let Saul know that God has rent the kingdom out of Saul's hands and given it to another. Saul finally figures it out. He hangs his head and he asks Samuel, please help me keep face among the elders and the people for that is what is important to him. The pleasure of the people is what matters to him. The fact that they like him, that they follow him, that, that, that they let him stay king, that's what he likes. Not God, not Samuel, but the acclaim of the people. Saul says, twice in this passage we just did, twice, that I may worship the Lord, thy God. Saul has been on the edge, on the fence. Now, he, he's he's been, um, he's been giving lip service to God and to Samuel. If he truly believed God, he would never have offered that sacrifice. If he truly believed, he would have killed the Malachites. He didn't. He is now off that fence, and he is saying, the Lord, thy God. Fascinating. Yet Samuel, Samuel does as he always does, as he has always done. He's shown the utmost respect to the chosen king of Israel outwardly. Despite what he may think or feel inwardly, he still respects the office. He says, fine, for the sake of the people, for the sake of your uh, reputation among the people, I will turn in and worship with you. But Samuel is done with Saul. Uh, 1532. After they're done worshiping the Lord Samuel's God. 1532. Then said Samuel. Bring ye hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came came unto him delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As thy sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Saul hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So Samuel, he has done what God has asked. He's honored Saul publicly, and now he gets the reason he is there to ensure the Amalekites were utterly wiped out. Now they're not, as we're going to find out, Saul really messed up here. Later on, they're going to cause some more problems for the people of Israel. But Saul kills um, the king of Amalek, uh, Agag, king of the Amalekites. And Agag, upon seeing Samuel, knowing who he is, that he's a prophet, he's a man of peace, a man of God, he thought he's about to be spared. He thought that the bitterness of death, he thought he was gonna make it now since Saul had stood up and taken the decision out of excuse me, Samuel had shown up and taken the decision out of Saul's hands. Agag's thinking, I'm good now, I'm gonna be fine. Well, oh, no. Samuel gets the sword and hews him in pieces. Samuel was all about God's word and God's will. God said utterly and Samuel makes sure he does it utterly. It's it's, it's just Samuel's dedication to God and God's word, God's will is fascinating. Saul's indifference is thoroughly as fascinating. This this whole thing, you you couldn't write a soap opera like this. You really could So after the deed is done, Samuel goes to his house and Saul goes to his and the two are never together again, this side of heaven. What we have come to now is we have come to the end for Saul. He will be the king for a few more years, but there's no more joy for him, no happiness. Saul is, for all intents and purposes, done as a respected ruler of Israel. Saul did so much wrong in five short years. He did some good, but overall, this guy, Saul, was a train wreck of a king. So we're going to continue on just a little bit longer. We're going to get to where... uh, God brings the, the 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 successor of Saul into the picture. So 16.1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. See? See, see what he did there? They chose Saul, who was already done, But God has provided himself a successor. This is very important because one, the people chose. Two, God chose. Kings, the first king, Saul, the people chose. Two, God chose. Saul was chosen exactly as the people would have chosen him. Saul is chosen for his looks, for his height, for his bearing. David is provided a king and God has made him the way he wants him to be. Fascinating when you read it. Um, 16-2, and Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. So now we get to the part most of us are already know and aware of. Samuel goes to Bethlehem, the place of Jesus' birth. Does, that's a coincidence? I don't think so. Um, and he is to anoint the one called a man after God's own heart. Samuel is afraid of Saul and his temper. We, he's, he's already seen it up close when Saul grabbed him. Um, Saul had already put his hands on Samuel um, and, and torn his garments in a fit of anger, rage, and despair. And Samuel is now worried that Saul is completely unhinged. He's unbalanced. So Samuel, knowing Saul is unbalanced, is a little scared, a little hesitant to go uh, to Bethlehem because Saul's watching him. And if he already knows that Samuel and God have their replacement and that uh, he's watching him, and you'll find this out in the next time. That he is watching every movement to see if he can determine where uh, Samuel is going to find the replacement. Okay. But the worst part of this whole thing to me, though, is that uh, Samuel's scared, but Saul is scared of Saul, but Samuel has always treated Saul with the utmost respect, the utmost courtesy, and Saul's not grateful for that. Saul doesn't want to do it right the way Samuel does. It's kind of a slap in the face to Samuel from Saul that he now has to fear him after everything Samuel has done for him. Samuel has done nothing but shown him respect, courtesy, and it's no longer relevant. Now he's got to, he, he really has to worry about Saul and his anger. So anyway, so Saul goes to Bethlehem. He's worried about, Samuel goes to Bethlehem. He's worried about Saul. Um, God tells him how to get around that. Now, I know that this has all been about Saul, but to, to, to get to Saul's true character, who he is, the beginning and the end of Saul, we got to include David for a couple chapters because it really talks to us about who Saul as a man is, who Saul as a king is, and who Saul as a leader is so the next two, uh, the next two parts of Saul are pretty much going to be the end of Saul, but it's got some date, it's got David mixed in for the most part, so he's going to be central, but Saul is there on a the peripheral as he's being run out of the king, run out as king. So, what we're going to do is we're going to end right here this time, but next time we're going to get to Saul and Goliath. Now, I know you never heard it like that before. But Saul and Goliath is a much bigger story than David and Goliath. And when I get into it next time, you'll understand because Saul, as the king, should have been the one uh, standing up and, and, and defying the Philistine in the name of the Lord. And instead, a little shepherd boy, teenager most likely, has to go to defend the honor of God and Israel. Saul and Goliath is a much bigger story than David and Goliath. So we'll get into that next time. Um, Until then, have a great day, and I will talk to you later.